Today, I'm joined by a couple of folks from Barcoding. J.W. Fran, who's the IoT Manager uh, Director for uh, Barcoding, and Daniel Blank, who is the Printing Director for that same company. They're going to join us talking about the state of the industry in retail, what some of the new emerging capabilities are, and uh, discuss in general the uh, topic of on-shelf availability and the role that IoT and specifically RFID plays. Let's get started. I am really excited. Uh, JW and I have been working together for a while. Uh, he's he's probably been the number one uh, person who's commented and has attended each one of these podcasts we've done, uh, Matt, probably for the last year or so. We always see JW's name pop up, and he, he usually asks some really good questions. So we're going to put him on the spot today and ask him some questions uh, versus the other way around. So, JW, you want to unmute and go ahead and introduce yourself to, to the audience? Yeah, and I appreciate that, Mike. And I guess it's guilt by association, right? I mean, I, I've come to enjoy being a, being a, uh, being on these, so thank you very much. But uh, no, great to be here. Um, as you mentioned, I'm JW Franz, the uh, IoT and Automation Solutions Director here at Barcoding Inc. Been in the uh, the IEDC RFID industry, starting to show my age with my lack of hair, so close to 20 years. And um, been fortunate to work uh, with a lot of the major OEMs, so it's um, been a fun ride and happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, as, as as you and I were talking kind of before the podcast, and I did some stupid in your LinkedIn, we're talking about going back to the Motorola days, going back to the Zebra days, going back to the Impinge days. I don't know that there's, there's not an RFID uh, OEM folks that you haven't been uh, very actively involved with, and uh, and you're still working with them on a, on a daily basis. So that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Daniel, I don't know you quite as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh and exactly what you do with barcoding and tell us a little bit about your about your uh, kind of uh, your your history with the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I'm uh, Daniel Blank or, or Dan Blank is great as well. I'm the director of our label and printing solutions group here at barcoding. So pretty much if it comes out of a printer or sticks to something, it falls under the purview of my team <laughs> in some aspect. I've been with barcoding for about five years now and uh, really focused on the supplies aspect of everything, but in data capture as a whole for almost a decade now. And I've sold the whole solution. I understand the mobile computing aspect and the RFID. I even worked for a label manufacturer for a while. So got a really good hands-on experience with the entire process of our own internal supply chain, which was mm. very helpful. Oh, fascinating. I think be careful with that. If it sticks to it, if it sticks to you, it's a part of it because there's other things that you probably want to stay away from, right? Just think about that for gum on your shoe or whatever. But that's awesome. So, so anything related, whether it's whether it happens to be whether it goes on a cardboard box, whether it goes on a package, whether there has some additional information like RFID labeling, et cetera, you're you basically own that for barcoding, correct? Absolutely. Right. Anybody okay. can hop on a, you know, an e-commerce website and find a shipping label four by six to get a package from A to B. But we really strive ourselves on being subject matter experts. So if you've got a gas tank that's buried underground and exposed to petroleum fumes and negative 100 degree temperatures, that's really where my team comes into play. Mm -hmm. And we'll spec out the proper adhesives and face stocks and what kind of you know ink ribbon you're going to need in order to produce that nice durable label, um, but also how to produce it in alignment with your process for you know whatever it is you might be doing. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's awesome. And it's extremely important. I, I, I will reminisce for a little bit when I was... Uh, one of our kind of a second deployments of of radio frequency identifications at Walmart was automotive ah. tires. And I remember doing an entire tag up and JW's kind of shaking his head. Yes. Cause he knows where we're going to go. We did the entire 
store. I was probably 1200 tires or something like that. They were beautiful. They were immaculate, et cetera. And we came in the next day and all 1200 were on the floor because <laughs> we tried to stick them on rubber that was, you know, already kind of greasy and they had the oh. nubs on them. And we go, well, that didn't work. Now what do we do? So, you know, you don't want to take your job for, for granted because it's very important that once you put that label on that product, it, it definitely sticks for sure. But um, so, so what we, one of the things that we want to do is we want to focus most of the time on the role that you guys play, obviously in the RFID space, this is an on-shelf availability channel. We focus on all things on-shelf availability, but not only just, is it available for the customer or the picker to pick, but instead also what are the upstream supply chains? And obviously uh, in the apparel and general merchandise and soon in coming on the food space, RFID is playing a very, very important role uh, with two things. Number one, identifying what you have and where it's located. But number two, being able to understand that item at the, at the actual individual serialized level, which I think is really important. But before we get into all that, the question becomes, okay, your customers as well. You guys have you guys have uh, friends and family, and you all buy things online, or you buy things in store and come pick it up, etc. Uh, we always start with this question as sort of an icebreaker: Is do you have a situation where you needed something, you were trying to secure something, and the customer experience, from your point of view, was not very satisfying because of on-shelf availability issues or supply chain issues, etc. Um, either one of you got an example that you want to share with us? I think we both do um, and talk to Dan regularly. So I'll, maybe I'll start and Dan can piggyback mine. But uh, mine was uh, had a few of them. Most recent one, um, my daughter is now into uh, figure skating. So I uh, went to the mall with my wife and she was doing some shopping. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll get my daughter a pair of figure skates versus one that she has. So I um, before I went to the store, I just wanted to humor myself to see if they even had it. So I went to my phone and said that they had one in stock, which I, I knew meant they really didn't have it. So I, I went into the store anyways, just to, um, to humor myself and, and to be clear, I, these are, this is size specific, right? And we can't just buy yeah, any size, right? Yeah, okay. Specific, specific uh, size for girls, figure skates. And I went in and wasn't on the, on the, on the store floor on the shelf, asked the associate if you could double check. I kind of made the joke already. I was like, look, I doubt it's here, but would you mind double checking for me? And he went in the back and very quickly came out and said, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not here. So um, I kind of went into that experience with that expectation and it just validated that was the actual, the actual case. Hmm. Frustrating. Uh, frustrating. Not that time. Cause I was already prepared based on seeing quantity one available. Mm -hmm. uh, it was two or three or four. Maybe I would have been, you know, had difference of opinion, but in that case, it was just more to prove what I already had expected. Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming your daughter finally got some figure skates from somebody, right? She got plenty of other toys to make up for it. <laughs> but dad now has a real live story he can tell for potential <laughs> customers of this. Daniel, how about yourself? Yeah, mine's uh, mine's a little more directly personal and, and a slightly different size scale item, right? So my gas-powered lawnmower crapped out on me last year. <laughs> And, you know, I've always had my eye on these new electric lawnmowers, been really excited, kind of doing the research. I knew exactly what model I wanted. And when mine finally broke, it happened to be a nice Saturday afternoon and I wanted that replacement now. So mm. obviously I, I went and looked at a couple of the big box retailers, found the model I wanted. One in stock wasn't so concerning to me. This is a larger item. Maybe they do only have one or it's a display model. Show up at the store, no lawnmowers anywhere. <laughs> what kind of hardware store is this? You know, you, you, there's nothing at all. So I find my way to the store manager and I showed him the application that they have. And 
his reaction was so dismissive. I, I'll never forget, but he's just like, how do you trust that thing? Why would corporate have any clue what I have in my store? I'm the one that counts stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of got into an argument with him about somebody thinks you do have this skew and they're accounting for it in their corporate system. Um, you know, maybe we should start a conversation with somebody. He had no interest. He was very adamant against the technology. Mm. Um, needless to say, I have not been back to that retailer just because of the, the frustration. Wow. Wow. What does corporate know of what I have? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, you know, I, I, it, what's amazing is the number of times I've done this podcast, I've asked that question. I've never gotten the same story twice. It's always been a random thing. But Dr. Hargraves was ladders. He, he was trying to buy a ladder, went into one big box home improvement retailer that will go nameless. And that said they had four and he couldn't find any. He went into the other one, said they didn't have any, and he found eight. So it's like, either way, it's, it's wrong, right? Definitely wrong and frustrating from an experience standpoint. So, so that kind of really segues into kind of where we are with the industry standpoint, just the supply chain in general. Let's, let's put 2020 and the global pandemic aside for a second, because we all lived through that. We all know how painful that was. But, but now that we're sort of coming out of that experience, just the supply chain in general, everything from raw materials to manufacturing to the supply chain from a distribution standpoint, to a warehouse from a retailer's perspective, to a back of a store, to the sales floor, to a customer cart. What are the big opportunities that you guys are seeing out there from an industry perspective? Because from my perspective, even though we've come out of this global pandemic with things like toilet paper and cleaning supplies not available, there's still a lot of holes on the shelf. And it just amazes me with today's technology why that is. So any comments about, you know, what the state of supply chain is today? I'll, if you don't mind, Dan, I'll start and you obviously you can piggy, piggyback it. But no, I, I think it's an interesting perspective from, from where barcoding sits because as a supply chain automation company, you know, we we kind of work with all those different customers and all those different stakeholders. So everything from the the, the factory producer, distributor, retailer, we, you know, we serve those different customers, different capacities. So it's always interesting to see, you know, the different challenges that they have as it relates to inventory visibility. Um, you know, if I go back a few years, you know, I predominantly always thought about retail was in store, but you know, when you talk about retail and you talk about supply chain, it's certainly not just store. It's 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 you know, you know, but both both um both ends of the spectrum. So certainly, um, you know, we're hearing similar challenges with our customers and warehouse distribution centers. It's you know, being able to have more efficient processes around inbound receipt to you know inventory visibility. What's 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 actually there? Pick pack order shipment validation, um, and then take that similar concept to the retail side, and it's. What did I receive? What do I have? I mean, it, it's the they're very similar conversations at the point I'm trying to make, um, all related to just inventory visibility, accuracy, and where where is my stuff? What do I have, and where's it located? And that that to me is is the key. And if we can't get if we can't get a a, a electric lawnmower or you know figure skates figured out, how in the world are we going to get anything else? Clothes, appliances, electronics all that kind of stuff. It's it's a real challenge. And, and I think the ones who are going to win long-term are the ones that have it so accurate that they start actually exposing on hands to customers about stuff that's in route and they know with a high degree of confidence that it's going to show up. I mean, it's almost like, well, I don't have any right now, but by the time they order it and I pick it, it will be here. So I'm going to count on that. I mean, we would never do that today, but I think that's where the future has to go. 
Yeah, I think all these channels that JW mentioned are, are interconnected in more ways than even we realize working in it, right? The customer for the distributor is the retailer. The customer for the manufacturer is that distributor. And it's those changing customer expectations through every phase that's kind of affecting us. Everyone's more well-informed. There's more options, more new channels, and kind of creating that you know streamlined, consistent, personalized process through the whole chain is is really what's going to create a competitive advantage for the, the tomorrow's successful retailer. Yeah. So what I hear you guys saying is whether you're a retailer, a supplier, a transportation provider, y'all struggling with the same issues, right? What do I have and where is it located, right? And a high degree of accuracy. Visibility. Yeah. 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 And, and then yeah, and the other common theme, which is not necessarily related to RFID, but RFID certainly provides those benefits, which is addressing those those labor shortages and challenges, which is keeping staff available to perform those those jobs. So, um, so yeah, th that's another common theme, whether it's in the warehouse DC or in the retail store itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, JW, you you kind of you kind of built on that on that comment, and I think you're right. I mean, part of Part of the RFID, and this is RFID at retail, kind of rain, rain RFID platform is to know what you have and where it's located a high degree of accuracy. But what we're seeing is a lot of retailers that are starting to leverage it for other use cases. And that, to me, was absolutely pivotal when big retailers decided we're going to have a chain, we're going to have it actually RFID enabled at source so we can leverage it throughout the supply chain. And I've got to believe you guys are very actively involved with not just the inventory accuracy in a store, but other upstream supply chain. Do you have any examples of, of things that you guys are providing that, that allow that to, to occur? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing a lot of these days is working with the suppliers of those retailers that have say these mandates in place that you must tag by, by such a date for specific products and goods. And, you know, certainly helping them meet that mandate is is the is the easier win, call it that, or the short term win. But the, the bigger, broader opportunity is how we can then help them leverage that investment for their own internal operations to streamline their operations and make them more efficient as well. So, yeah, we, we see we see both ends of the spectrum. And um, it's definitely um, it's been a, been a good conversation with both ends. And Dan, I think you wanted to add to that. I didn't want to uh, take too long. Sorry. Yeah, um, you know the way the way I see it is a lot of the retailers are are pushing these requirements onto the suppliers, and they kind of have to think about it in two ways. This is either a burden to do business with that you know customer at this point. I have to spend how much more money on every single label just in order to sell products through you. Um, but our job and and challenge has been to convince them that there's a massive ROI here if you just embrace the new technology. It doesn't just have to be how many do I have and where they are, but we're starting to see, you know, environmental sensors be integrated into brain RFID solutions. We're starting to see transportation logistics customers be able to make sustainability changes by the way they route vehicles and how often they're making shipments all because they have access to this new information. Um, so there's, there's a lot of benefit that can be had if you embrace the technology and don't just treat it as, as kind of that requirement to do business. Yeah, I think that some of the things that, that I've heard from some of the suppliers and having spent 25 years at Procter & Gamble and then about 10 at Walmart or 15 at Walmart, I've gotten to see both sides. I can see the, well, in order to deal with this retailer, whether that's anybody who's asking for, for RFID source tag product, we need you to RFID enable. We need these particular standards to be used with our Auburn ARC or whatever. We need a GS1 encoded. They're all playing by the right rules. But then you start scratching your head if you're a supplier going, well, yeah, but that's only 30% of my business. So am I going to tag 
all of my product? Or am I going to separate inventory, have tagged and untagged? What are some of those conversations? Because in order to take advantage of that particular te technology internally from a supplier point of view, it almost requires that almost everything is tagged or, or most of the products tagged. So, so how do you have those conversations with suppliers that says, yeah, but you can take advantage of it. Instead of just seeing it as a mandate, you can take advantage of it. How do you push? How do you, how do you adapt for the, yeah, but it's only 25, 30% of my business. Dan, you want to start with that? I know you, you've kind of led some of those conversations with other customers when they were looking at the mandate and the, the number of SKUs that they had to um, add to label. Yeah, it's it's kind of exactly as you described, Michael. It's um, you know really taking a look at how much your business is being required to do this and what does that cost look like and what benefit do you get from that? Because the answer is that 30% of your business you get to probably keep. Um, all of a sudden, when you tag all your items, obviously there's some consideration over what those items are and how challenging they may be to tag. But if you can do it all, now we get to start talking about internal benefits, efficiency improvements to your operations, labor improvements, uh, data collection, and you know better relationships with your partners. So all the benefits we talk about with RFID, whether it's, again, labor, visibility, sustainability, you don't get to recognize any of those. You just get to keep selling your products to that one particular you know resource um mm -hmm. if you race it across the board now all of a sudden you have an roi to talk about instead of just an added expense column item yep perfect perfect i think that's i think that's right i think i think part of that is i, I usually draw this as a triangle at the base of the triangle it's usually inventory accuracy at retail that's the base to kind of jack standard why people start mm -hmm. but as you go up that triangle Picking for omni-channel fulfillment is one of those. Asset protection use cases. Now, that's still all inside the retailer. Eventually, you get towards the top of the triangle. You have these things called claims, and suppliers don't like claims, and retailers don't necessarily like claims either. They're a necessary part of the, the, the business. But if I said I shipped you 50 and you said I only got 20, we argue back and forth because we have absolutely no data other than says, I put it on the truck. Why didn't you get it? So what do you do? You argue back and forth with RFID and obviously the work that JW, I believe you were involved with, with uh, Auburn University and GS1. I think the claims compliance is is a, is the next level of taking advantage of that entire product portfolio being tagged to go, no, I can tell you on this date, at this time, these are the actual units I put on the truck. I can prove it to you. So you go scan your back room. And if you find all these items, you got them all. I don't know what happened, but you got them all. And I think that's a huge game changer for the industry standpoint. Yeah, I, I knew this topic was going to come up, Mike, just because it inevitably would in this type of conversation. And that's absolutely parts of the conversations we're having with, with customers today. I know I was, we were working with one wholesaler uh, this past year who's looking to implement um, a solution in, in 2023. And the driver of that conversation came from the CFO level talking specifically about, you know, mm -hmm. the the costs, you know, due to, due to chargebacks and claims compliance and such. So that was, that was the initial driver that opened up a much broader conversation than to all the other things that we could help with that customer within, within their, within their distribution facility. Then you also look at other customers that we're working with that have a, you know, a two, three, four, five year vision of where they want to leverage the investment of technology throughout their supply chain. And, um, you know, whether it's this year or next year, it's on their roadmap that, you know, that's a specific area that they want to address as well as, you know, enabling, having better visibility with their supplier ecosystem to address those specific challenges. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about barcoding. I mean, obviously from the name, it sounds to me like 
typical symbology like a UPC label. We don't know anything about printing or RFID, et cetera. Just, you know, get, give us, I mean, we, we, we spent a little bit of time highlighting you as a sponsor, but what exactly does barcoding do? Uh, what, what kind of your key customer channels and what kind of capability do you provide for the industry? Sure. Um, so yeah, Matt gave a great introduction, right? We're a supply chain automation and innovation company. Our goals are to help all of our clients be more efficient, accurate, and connected. On top of that, I would say barcoding really has its core, you know, kind of mission statement of being, you know, like anybody, a profitable, growth-oriented, sustainable company. We really do strive to try and provide opportunity for personal success for our employees and, and then certainly positively impacting our, our customers, our partners, and our communities is, is really at the core of everything we do. Uh, but as far as, you know, the actual solutions that we're providing outward to our clients, it, it crosses pretty much everything we think they need to you know, run a data capture solution. So mobility solutions starts with the, the mobile computers, the tablets, the handhelds. That can be anything from just what type of device do you need? Are you migrating to Android? Are you trying to develop a new platform or, or uh, application? Do you need service desk assistance because your IT team has low resources? Um, so anything that we can do to assist with the actual devices themselves. We've got a whole team of folks that support our IoT and automation solutions. Obviously, JW is with us here today. He's the director of that group, but they're really helping the clients with RFID infrastructure, software, tag selection process, not just RAIN RFID, but Bluetooth and other types of sensors, and then any other type of automation that we can get our hands on or think is going to be valuable, including fixed industrial scanning, machine vision, we're even getting into a lot of AMR and AGV type uh, robotic applications. The label and printing side of that, you know, we certainly talked about, we have a little catchphrase here that says it's not just a label, it's your business. I don't care what you're doing or what industry, you're using labels. And if those labels go away, everything comes to a screeching halt. And the pandemic really drew a light to that where, hey, I can't get paper for a few weeks. Why do I have to shut my doors down? Um, so we've been talking a lot about like managed print services and ensuring that those supplies are sitting on the shelf. We've got a whole team of subject matter experts, as I alluded to earlier, that can help really engineer a specific label and printer combination based on your application. And then to kind of round out the whole solution, uh, we've got another team of subject matter experts that focus on connectivity, network, and security type options. Obviously, these mobile devices and printers all need data coming from somewhere. So we need some people to kind of help us uh, round out that solution with network installations, upgrades, uh, cellular activations. We're doing smart SIM cards these days. Um, th that kind of covers our four quadrants of, of hardware and, and software components. Uh, the whole thing that ties it together is our uh, proprietary enterprise platform called IntelliTrack that is kind of functioning as a single pane of glass for your relationship with barcoding. So it gives you consolidated reporting and insights on all these different devices that we're working with. And Mike would just add too that you know we're, you know if you look at how we engage with our customers, it's very much in a consulting manner. You know, very mm -hmm. focused around PPT, people, process, and technology. So while Dan highlighted all the different pillars that make up our technology stacks, you know, you, you'll never see us lead with a conversation around technology. It's better understanding really that customer's you know day-to-day uh, -day operation, the life, the pain points that they're experiencing, understanding how we can help them be better before we recommend any given technology slash solution. Right. And something I learned basically is, as I work with UJW is, is, you know, one of my questions was, well, wait a minute, 
there are companies out there like Zebra, I'll just pick RFID readers. Zebra and, and, and Pinge do a really good job of building those things. Why would I get involved with barcoding? But what you tried to explain to me is, yeah, there's a certain suite of customers that Zebra and Impinge will work directly with. There's a lot of them that need this kind of services and support that, you know, they don't need that hurdle level to be able to do. You guys step up and basically do a great job of not only meeting that need, but also providing not just tags, not just readers, not just printers, whatever, but the entire solution, including the software and the networking to be able to solve that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate to have a very strong partner ecosystem. You, you obviously named two, two of a few or two of many, however you want to phrase that. But ultimately, yeah, we are, we are leveraging with that, that partner ecosystem to bring that complete solution to our customers, whether again, in this case, if it's a, it's a, it's a retailer or a supplier to a retailer and um, bringing that all together with them kind of, kind of through, through one source. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, so just a quick reminder to the folks, uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to put it in the chat. Uh, I, I do have the chat open and I'll be monitoring it. Uh, but uh, and, and we'll try and uh, ask those questions live and have them uh, have both JW and Daniel provide the answers to that. But I want to switch and, and, and really kind of transition into give us some practical examples. Everything you've told us so far been pretty high level, pretty strategic, kind of et cetera. But do you have some real good examples? And you can, for the, for the purposes of uh, of uh, not sharing them publicly, don't need that. But give us some examples of a, either a retailer or a supplier that was really going through some tough business opportunities or, or challenges, and you were able to, to deliver a full solution for them. I think that would be a pretty interesting thing for our audience to hear. Uh, so yeah, um, excuse me. One of our um, one of our big, bigger customers um, uh, started to dabble their their toe in, in this whole concept of RFID just in the last uh, few years, and specifically uh, around their shoe compliance program. And they wanted to have better uh, display integrity for all the shoes that they were selling. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, uh, with with um, working with them with some of the major OEMs that you you touched on already. Um, we were able to successfully roll out a, a shoe compliance program across, you know, several hundreds of their locations throughout North America. And they've seen such great success in that in just year one that they've now kind of rolled out or not rolled out. They've established a five-year vision for RFID and how that's going to you know, tie into their store operation uh, this year or moving the next year. And then um, uh, further extend it upstream into their, their supplier or, or distribution network, I should say. So, so yes, yeah, so that was that was a great firsthand experience about a, a very specific need for for in this case rain RFID for shoe for shoe display integrity. Saw immediate uh, success and based on year one success, came out of it with a five year vision and then put forth a mandate that says, hey, you now have to tag your uh, your soft goods moving through the 2023. So um, that is clearly one example of what we're doing in the retail side. Um, Dan, you want to speak to maybe what we're doing on the, on the source tag compliance side with some of those, uh, those, uh, suppliers that had to meet some mandates. Yeah, it's, it's, I won't get specific with any, any one in particular, but the, the exciting part for me about working with all the suppliers is the diversity of product types, right? It, it's, you know, you're talking about apparel and then, oh, I also happen to make, uh, you know, a collegiate logo garbage cans. Suddenly we're dealing with metallic items that are stacked and nested neatly in tight, of, in tight of each other. It's become very difficult to engineer some of these RFID solutions. Um, but it's back to that original comment of, you know, if I want to keep selling this through the channel that I've been working with, I got to figure this out. Um, so I've had a ton of fun working with those unique challenges of fishing lures, ammunitions, uh, like I said, like garbage cans and any kind of metallic products. That's really been the exciting part for me. 
We didn't call those exciting when we were trying to figure those out. Those were called exceptions. We're not going to deal with the garbage cans. We're not going to deal with this product, et cetera, because it was so hard. We'll let the real smart people at Barcoding and Auburn University and Avery Dennison and RPAC all figure that SML. They can they can figure all that stuff out. Uh, that's awesome, though. Somebody's got to do it. The, the, the opportunity is there. And as I see things like a lot of interest in the food industry right now, JW, you and I were talking about that. A lot of opportunity in with leveraging RFID, not only to know what you have and where it's located, but using it for date coded product, obviously with the new standards and be able to potentially say, hey, there is a date that this item went into the bakery or the bunker area for a customer. There needs to be a date when it gets marked down and it needs to be a date where it's destroyed or donated, right? And because you, you can't have people continuing to manage that stuff by hand, but somebody's got to figure out how to put an RFID tag on a package of meat and be able to read through it. That's not a trivial pro process, right? But that's that's why you've got real smart people out there who are trying to help figure that out. So that's awesome. Um, so, so we've got we've got a bunch of things going on. We've got a lot of supplier source tagging. We've got a lot of retailers that are using that. What are some of the future ways that you guys are seeing? You know, basically rain RFID kind of tags being used. What what kinds of things? And again, don't again no specifics on retailers or or suppliers. But what are the unique use cases that you guys are starting to hear where people are going? Well, if it can do that, I think it can do this too. Yeah, I think you know, if you look at some of the customers we're very much engaged with today um, that are, you know, in the midst of, you know, deploying a solution to leverage those source tagging investments, it, I think it directly impacts, excuse me, their, their entire operation. So uh, two, two or three customers specifically in mind, they know that everything that's coming off their truck uh, um, upon receipt has already been tagged overseas. So, you know, the question becomes, well, now how do I streamline my operations from, from receipt to put away to pick, pack, ship? We were at a customer just this past um, in Q4 this year, as we looked to work with them this year, they literally had eight people unloading a truck. And those eight people were just watching boxes come off the truck just to make sure that the the the, the product was in the, the, the boxes. So wow. um, that very clearly became an indicator where RFID could provide a, a significant amount of ROI in terms of labor savings and reprioritizing labor to do something more effective than just watch boxes coming off the coming off the conveyor. Um, and then from there, can you, by let, me, let me stop you. Can you imagine that job all day long? Eight to uh, 10 hours a day is watching boxes go by. Really? I, mean, I think, I think off the top of my head is like 2000 boxes a day, 4,000. Oh boxes. my God. <laughs> yeah. It would not, it would not be fun. So no. um, we're, we're, I, I won't go through all the details of, you know, the, the whole process where we saw where RFID with other adjacent automation technologies can provide them benefits, things that we talked about already, like uh, machine vision and, and AMR AGV, but um that was just clearly one example where the upstream adoption really seems to make a lot of sense because it, it's just if you're not if you're not going to leverage what's coming in the door uh, in terms of tagging, then you're, you're missing a, a big opportunity for operational improvement. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Daniel and with JW. Join us next time as we continue our discussion with trying to drive on shelf availability with technology. Talk to you soon.